Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome to this week's Ladies Who London podcast listeners. How are you? It's Alex here. Um, Fiona's not with me this week. We just haven't quite managed to make our diaries sync. Uh, nothing untoward. Um, but I hope you're all well. Did you have a good coronation weekend? I hope those of you who were really invested in the coronation uh, were able to watch it okay. And those of you who really didn't care were able to avoid it okay. Um yeah, it was, uh, it was a busy weekend, really. I mean, I'm in, I'm still out here in Hampshire. I'm moving back to London this week, though, which is very exciting. Um, so it was all pretty chilled out here. Um, I watched the coronation, and some of you might have seen. I was busy kind of um, doing stories on Instagram, explaining bits and pieces, and showing you some other stuff that we talked about. And apologies for last week's um, episode. We set it up to go out on Wednesday, and there was some kind of glitch in the matrix, um, and then we got locked out of our of our account. So it's all a bit mad. Anyway, um, we we managed. To get it all out uh, in the morning of the coronation, which was a bit late, but never mind. Um, so it was it was a pretty epic one. So if you made it all the way through, then very very well done. Um, but this week, I think let's just crack straight on with it. Um, Fiona will be back for the top and tail next week. Um, but this week we have invited one of our lovely uh, colleagues on, uh, a chap called Adam, who you'll hear talking uh, very shortly. And because we've done a couple of weeks of royally stuff, which is not our um, our bag really, as you know, uh, we are now going completely off piste. Um, so without any further ado, here is Adam. Right. Well, this week we have an absolute treat on the podcast. We, we've we've been coronation-y the last couple of weeks. And um, I was just saying to our lovely guest that when we do anything too royal or too kind of mainstream, for I, I start to get hot sweats after a little while and panic. So we are going completely off piece. But I'd like to introduce you to the fabulous Adam Scott Goulding, who is a Westminster City Guide, uh, one of our lovely colleagues, um, and is known by everyone as Mr Music. <laughs> So welcome, Adam. Thank you for coming along. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to be here. We're thrilled to have you. And we have actually been um, very, we've left it completely in your hands this week. We do not know what you're going to talk about. So uh, do you want, let, let us know. What are we, what are we in for? Yes. Well, I think um, I, I'm going to uh, stick to my regular beat of music. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, music tours uh, in London. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, how I managed to get into this, um, where the whole 
um, obsession comes from. Yeah. Uh, and maybe point us in a, a, the direction of a couple of interesting looking buildings to, to go and have a look for uh, when you're up on your hind legs in the West End. Sounds Perfect. brilliant. Um, so I assume for the most of it, we're going to be vaguely around Soho, given the, you know, the nature of, of the beast. But the thing is about Soho is a lot of the places aren't music venues anymore, which is really sad. So it's always quite exciting when you get to stand in front of one and go, oh, this is where so-and-so used to do this, that and the other. What sure. Do you have, do you have a favourite site that you uh, that you get quite excited about? Oh, I think I do. I think I do. It's... Um... And it was a theatre. It's now a cinema. It's the pictures. It's wow. the, the Odeon Shaftesbury Avenue, as we call uh -huh. it today. Uh, but it was once upon a time the Savile Theatre. Uh, and it's it's my favourite place to, to show for, for multiple reasons. Um, it was the place where the legend of Jimi Hendrix begins in June 1967. Um, he walked into the building, a musician. He came out a legend. Uh, but... <laughs> Very famous uh, evening performing in front of Paul McCartney and uh, performing Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with the Jimi Hendrix experience. And it's it's a, a monumental turning point in, in the music story. But the building is is lovely. The um, It depends on who I'm taking on tours. If, I, if I've got the hard, hardcore music fans, um, you sometimes see them go... Too much architecture here. We didn't sign up for an architecture trip. <laughs> and then at the other end of the, the spectrum, people are saying, well, you know, he didn't do any architecture, did he? Because it's such a lovely building to look mm. at. Um, you can't yeah. you can't not mention that freeze if you're standing in front of it. It's kind of just calling out to be explained. Exactly so. It's calling out to be explained. It's the... Um, the, the, the entire history of show business uh, in, in one freeze from, from the Greeks uh, right up to the, well, the present day, uh, as in when it was designed. It's designed in the late 1920s and um, I think the theatre was opened in 1930. And so the, it starts with the Greek chorus and it goes right through to the, to the modern day with the dancing girls shimmying in. Uh, in the 1920s and Sherlock Holmes is in the picture there as well at the very end he's got big tall fellows having a puff on his pipe uh, which brings it bang up to date because Conan Doyle was just about still still around when when the building was designed so it would be the equivalent if, if it were designed today it would be like having the, the, the cast of Shit Creek or This Is Us <laughs> up there on, on the building. And it's just, it's it's so lovely to look at. I mean, do you, do you, I don't know if the, those casts will last quite as long as the cast that's on the building. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? They're quite so, yes. It would have to be a very long building. Maybe they could continue the freeze round the side <laughs> and the back yeah, just, of the building. Just keep updating it. Yeah, absolutely. Keep on going round. <laughs> Well, so, you know, I, I was just going to say that the, the converse of what you said, Alex, in a way that one of the things I find delightful about kind of music tours is they might be venues that have closed, but I've never known them as a venue. So I actually kind of, I, I know a building as a theatre, say, like the Lyceum I'm thinking about, you know, I, I know as a theatre. And then actually I discovered, oh, for, for many years it was a, a music venue. And it's like, oh, that's a, a bonus history that I didn't know about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the Lyceum's a great example as well because it's the um, it's the last place where John Lennon performed live in Britain. 
1969, as long ago as that. Um, it's the place where Bob Marley recorded the version of No Woman, No Cry that we typically hear on the wireless, uh, the, build, the record that made him a star. But that, the, yeah, it was, a, it was a dance hall as well. And oh, it, was, wow. it has a lovely sort of loose um, story in so much as they, they were a little more easygoing at the Lyceum Ballroom. <laughs> oh, you say, easygoing. Uh, the, the other ballrooms often employed someone to make sure there was no hanky-panky on the dance floor. But they didn't <laughs> have that at the Lyceum. You could smooch as close as you liked. Sounds lovely. Uh, so, yeah, it's got that rich history. It's been a theatre. It's been a music hall. Um, the, the Clash played there. Um, wow. And now it's Disney. I know. It's <laughs> and, and actually thinking about it, this is, um, you know, going back to one of our previous podcasts, the Lyceum is where um, Park and Bolton were arrested for having gone there in drag many times and they got arrested there. And like you say, it was a bit kind of anything goes. Mm. And I remember one of the quotes from from the one of the women who served them at the bar just being like, yeah, I just, you know, it's fine. I just I didn't really care. So I quite like that we when we bring it back around, you go, yeah, it was quite a sort of loose place. It's exactly what was happening. I love it. Absolutely, absolutely. Here's here's to being loose. Jin Jin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Never had a problem with that. So so talk us through. Um so Soho is kind of the heart of it, but of course the music industry does well, did uh, you know, I was gonna say leak out, it makes it sound really awful, but you know, <laughs> spread out a little bit from there. So how what what brought Soho into the into the light as a music as the place of rock and roll really in, in England? Yeah, well if jumping right to the fifties, they're rock and roll coffee is the answer coffee um coffee was going to make everybody rich if you could invest in one of those lovely big spaceship like italian machines uh then the markup on a bag of beans magic beans you know <laughs> for the price that you were going to pay for a cup of coffee you would be rich in no time at all and you would have been if if every shop hadn't been a coffee shop then <laughs> as now and so you had to get a gimmick to get customers to your coffee shop uh, and the Two Eyes coffee bar, the Irani Brothers mm. coffee bar, their gimmick was music. So it's an accidental music venue. They they had music to sell coffee um, rather than the, the, the other way around. So um, the proximity of the the agents, though, in, in Denmark Street and in the West End generally, um, this sort of because it develops out of the, 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 the music hall, the, the vaudeville business. Mm. The, the entertainment agents are all there. Uh, and so if you can you know, perform near where the agents, the managers, the promoters uh, are based, then all to the good. Um, so that, that line can be drawn through from the music hall days right to the, 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 the early days of skiffle and, and homemade rock and roll in, in the mm. 50s mm. in Soho. But coffee is the single word answer. Alex, you you know all about um, Pete Frieden's biscuits in yes. Bermondsey. Uh, Tommy Steele's mother worked at Pete Frieden's, and Tommy really? Steele appeared at the Two Eyes, I believe. Yeah. Absolutely so. And it's lovely, Fiona, that you mention it because, well, the day that we're recording, um, Wee Willie Harris uh, passed away just the other day in, in the brouhaha of the bank holiday and the coronation. <laughs> it didn't really make the headlines. Wee Willie Harris was a, a great rock and roll singer in the 1950s, uh, a Bermondsey boy, and he worked himself at the Peak Friends factory. Oh, yeah. Did he really? Um, he's, mentioned in, he's mentioned in a, a song by Ian Jury, 
um, and he's he had a, a, a hit with a, a song called "Rocket at the Two Eyes." Uh-huh. Uh, it was a lovely lyric where he's 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 gone. You know, he's coming home from work. He goes home to have his tea. It's it's the only rock and roll song in history that features the line "Went home and had me tea," uh, and then he and then he goes out rocking at the two eyes. And uh, yeah, a Barmanzy boy, just like Tommy Steele, he played at the two eyes, and he passed away just the other day. So oh, rest yeah. in peace, we Willie Harris. Absolutely, well, perfect timing then. We yeah, rest in peace. Um, so you mentioned the two eyes a few times, and the two eyes sadly doesn't exist. Well, not as a coffee shop anymore. It's it's Poppy's Fish and Chip Shop, isn't it? But Two Eyes was was very much it, it's when they talk about rock and roll in London, they sort of say that's where it started. And you mentioned the coffee, but how you know how big of a deal was the Two Eyes coffee shop? Well, the how big of a deal uh, the plaque, I think, hits the nail right on the head. The birthplace of British rock and roll and the British music industry, uh, and I, th- I don't think they're understating the case there. Um, it was hugely popular. The thing that's very difficult to believe is that people came from all over the country to listen to music at the Two Eyes Coffee Bar, and they didn't even have a booze license. It was coffee and Coca-Cola. Um, well, you get your kicks where you can, frankly. Absolutely, absolutely. What they've done there, though, you mentioned poppies, and um, poppies have been there for a few years now, but they've been around for a long time, as you, as we all know. They've been making fish and chips in London since Queen Elizabeth II was only Princess Elizabeth. <laughs> so they've done a makeover there. Now, I don't, I don't think they'd mind me saying this. At, at the site of the Two Eyes Coffee Bar, which closed in 1970, uh, they've, they've given it a makeover in the 50s style. Now, now it's, it's a bit sort of Disney 50s, you know, and it's lovely. It's very affectionately done uh, and they're very friendly there. But they've uncovered a little bit of a... a, a a mural uh, uh, at the back right-hand corner of the restaurant, a bit of musical archaeology. It was painted uh, directly onto the wall by the by Lionel Bart, oh. uh, by his his own hand when he was a student at St Martin's College round the corner. Wow! And he was paid five bob uh, to paint a, <laughs> a, a musical mural, uh, and they've uncovered some of it. The the because it's been you know destroyed down through the various. It's been I don't know how many different restaurants since 1970, uh, but when they did the makeover, they uncovered Lionel Bart's um, wow. handiwork there. And of course, That's he wrote awesome. Oliver, of course, but he also wrote number one hits for. Uh, our own dear Sir Cliff Richard in, ah, in the 1950s ah. and 60s. So they've done a really good job, I think, even though it's, it hasn't been the two eyes for nearly 50 years. Um, the, the, that little bit of heritage has been beautifully preserved. Yeah. And they do and have they photos think... along the wall, don't they, I think, as you go in? Yeah. Yes. What it used to be like. and Because it wasn't, it wasn't glamorous, was it, the two eyes? It wasn't the sort of when we think of a concert venue today of, you know, lovely stage and lighting and seating and it wasn't at all it was a couple of music uh, milk crates wasn't it pretty much fantastic that's a brilliant way of putting it a, a delicate way of putting it it wasn't particularly <laughs> glamorous the whole west end pop and rock and roll scene was held together with string and glue yeah. uh, all rough and ready there's a lovely book by david mitchell called uh, not david mitchell the comedian david mitchell the writer mm-hmm. um called utopia avenue i don't know if you're familiar with it not heard of it, it. It's it going just on the list. pops. It pops with with London locations. Uh, Utopia Avenue is a, a, a fictional uh, group in the late nineteen sixties, fronted by a Sandy Denny type singer. Uh, they've got a, a wild man drummer, uh, 
Um, in, like in animal the from the Muppets. Like animal from the Muppets. <laughs> those are my references. <laughs> well, he's the greatest of them all. He, he's the greatest <laughs> of them all. Uh, they've got a, a virtuoso guitarist a la Eric Clapton um, and a sort of Keith Richards type guitar player in there. And it's a fictional story, but the locations are real and real characters drift in and out. So David Bowie makes a, a cameo and they describe the the performance space at the at the Two Eyes coffee bar and well, Rough and Ready just about covers it. It's a lovely location, a lovely London book for locations. Okay. Um, the yeah, well worth a look, well worth a look. But it, they they feature prominently at the Two Eyes coffee bar. And when we're talking about famous names who played at the Two Eyes, um, it's 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 quite a long list, isn't it? It is, uh, beginning at the top with the, the, the morally unimpeachable Sir Cliff Richards. Um, he, um, yeah, old Harry Webb. Uh, the, the English Elvis, it, it's, it's it, I wonder, he, he, he doesn't really get his due old Cliff, you know. Um, in the 1950s, because Elvis didn't come here, which we all know now, Thanks to the movie, the, the Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you seen Have you seen the Baz yes. Luhrmann movie, the Elvis yeah, movie? Absolutely. Only two hours and forty minutes long. It was about an hour too short, if you ask me. It was fantastic. <laughs> but the whole overarching story that Colonel Tom Parker kept Elvis home because Colonel Tom Parker himself was an illegal immigrant in the U.S. The knock-on effect is that we wanted Elvis, we couldn't have him, so we made our own. And Cliff Richards, Tommy Steele, they were our own Elvises. Down the road and across the water, our lovely friends and neighbours in France, they made their own Elvises. Uh, Johnny Alliday, the French mm -hmm. Elvis, um, died only a couple of years ago at the yeah. age of 712. Yeah, and still, and still <laughs> iconic, you know. Any, I think if, if you're French and you don't like Johnny Alliday, then, then it's, you're not truly French, really. Quite, I th and I think similarly, you know, Cliff is, is the pioneer. Yeah. And uh, and I know he's not very cool, but um, there's always a place in my heart. I think I think I've thought of an analogy that you can tell me if this works or not. Cliff Richard, a bit like Christopher Wren. In oh, the... here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this is classic Fiona. <laughs> By the time we're going to do something finish... modern this week, Fiona. Oh no, we're going back to the 1600s. <laughs> By the time they finished building St Paul's, he was out of fashion because it had gone on so long. But now we look back and go, oh, yeah, he was not bad. So in 300 years, we'll look back and go, my God, Cliff Richard, he was a genius. Well, Fantastic. Maybe. And at the Two Eyes Coffee Bar, there'll be a plaque saying, if you seek my monument, simply look about you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair enough. Fashion is the thing, isn't it? And he's, he's fallen out of fashion, old Cliff. He's, he's but, been um, around for too long. I think that's my... My point. Yeah, yeah. I always, you know, I, I, I feel a little bit sorry for him in the fifties because he's only he's Cliff Richard. There's one of him, and and when the Beatles came along, the, there were four of them, and the 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 second record they made was one of their own songs, and they'd been told by the producer, "You're going to record this song called How Do You Do It," and they all said. No, we're not. We're going to record one of our own songs. And they were able to do that, I think. Well, one, it was a good song. And two, there was four of them. So there was safety in numbers. There was power in a union. Um, Cliff doesn't really get that. Cliff is has to be, has to toe the line, has to be obedient to the the studio system 
if you no, like. But he does get 100% of the taking, so, you know. Oh, well, there you go. There you go, I suppose. <laughs> he's got his payoffs. Gets his own dressing room. Yeah, okay, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's instrumental. He's uh, he's um, central to the two eyes coffee bar story, certainly, yeah. Well, so I was just thinking about other, other people. Like, presumably, I mean, music... A tour, you can do a tour in an area, or you could do do a tour about a person or a group or whatever. Do you do you have a preference between those? Or That's are a, there favorite people it, you like talking about. It's a great question. I've got favorite people, but but I love the area tours and I love the whole idea of different layers of an area with different tour guides. So um, you know, one tour guide can tour the neighborhoods doing literary history and then hand over to another tour guide who can do royal history in the same yeah. area and then music history. I love that sort of layer cake of yeah. London. <laughs> um, so some neighbourhoods are better than others. Soho's rich pickings <laughs> for music. Uh, Malibone, Covent Garden, quite good too. Mayfair, not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the artist or composer-based tours are also very good fun because it tends to uh, attract... Uh, devotees you know. yeah and i think from from talking to you about walks that that's what has struck me is that you get more people who are focused on what they want to know about and it's that particular thing is that right yeah i think so i, I think i've used the analogy before um it's very often the case that fans come along on music tours already knowing all of the stories and, and maybe more than I do. And it's it's almost, it's like telling a, a, a bedtime story to, to a kid. They, they know the story, but they want it told properly. They want, it, they want you to do all the voices, you know, and go. Maybe you're tired when you're doing your bedtime story and the kid says, no, 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 do the voices, do it properly. And so fans are a lovely company because they are, you know, um, quite demanding like that. We want this told properly. We want this done properly. No shirking. We already know it. We're here to check your homework. And, um, yeah, they're they're just lovely company. They're very enthusiastic. And uh, I really enjoy doing those, those, those tours with fans. And I guess I was going to say that's the difference. Quite often we take people to see things and we show them a building and we say, and then we tell them why it's interesting. And people go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Whereas in that scenario where they already know the story, you can tell the story and then it's almost like, and this is the building. And then it's that thing of, oh my God, this is where that happened. And it's, it's a quite different reaction in a way. Exactly so. I think that's great, Fiona. And also you've got the, back to the Savile Theatre, the Odeon on Shaftesbury Avenue. You can enliven the proceedings with, you know, a a, a lovely looking building uh, along the way uh, so that it doesn't. And and then, you know, once you've told the stories properly, once you've, you know, um, ticked all the boxes, uh, the building, the location becomes a, a bit of a coup de theatre. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's terrific fun, terrific fun. And do you find there are fans who come along? You say the fans are, are great to have because they know it all. Um, <laughs> do you find you get more fans of a particular band? I mean, obviously, I imagine Beatles are quite popular, but maybe maybe the Beatles fans do their own thing, and it's the Who fans, or I don't know who who which are the ones that you tend to get a lot of, or who are the most dedicated? I th- I think that the the Beatles fans are certainly the most. 
um, uh, numerous. There are more Beatles fans, it would seem, than, than any other uh, artist. So I, I meet a lot of Beatles fans, even on non-Beatles tours. But um, yeah, they're, I, I think it's because music... And we're, going to, we're seeing this this week because not to date things too much, but we're in the, the week of the coronation as we're chatting. And there's been a lot of planning about the music mm -hmm. uh, composers and you know, what, what are we going to lose from the last coronation? What are we going to keep? Um, because music's important to the, the pageantry of, of what we're doing with the, the coronation. And I think on, on our level, a smaller scale, a, a, a commoner's scale, uh, music's important to us for our birthday parties, for our weddings, for our funerals increasingly, um, for our our first kiss, our first date. Uh, the the emotional connection to music uh, is 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 quite special, and people bring that along. Fans bring that along, um, and you know. On a two-hour walking tour, there comes a point where everyone's relaxed enough and they've, they've judged you to be telling the stories properly. And they'll relax and, and open up a little bit and describe um, where they first saw such and such a band or where they first danced with their wife or husband. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's lovely to, to spend time with music fans. And you said you've got some favourite people that you like talking about or favourite places that you like taking, taking people. What are, what are some of those? Yes. Um, well, I, I, I do like the Beatles, um, but beyond the uh, beyond the Beatles in the in the area tours, in the neighbourhood tours, I, I like to have a look around South Kensington uh, as a musical mm -hmm. place because it's so obviously a, a museum place and a heritage place and a science place. But we've got the lovely um, Royal College of Music there as well which is a smashing building um it looks like it it it, it, it looks like we've pinched it from bruges you know <laughs> it's got that lovely sort of flemish feel it's quite um, fabulous yeah i know it's location depends to whom you're speaking if you're speaking to someone who works at the royal college of music uh, then the Royal College of Music uh, is in front of the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> and vice versa, if you're yeah. speaking to someone at the Albert Hall. But it's a fantastic building and they've got a glorious little museum. Um, so when it's open, we can pop in there um, during the week because uh, it's a, a fully functioning school. And it's a, it's, it's a terrific location to visit as well during term time during the week. Uh, because outside in the street, when the, the traffic isn't too heavy in that little road between the Albert Hall and the Royal College of Music. And in, in the warmer days, when the windows are open, there's this cacophony ah. of opera singers, percussionists, brass players, string players, all practising all at once. And it's just, it's not the most melodic cacophony, but it's joyful. <laughs> uh, and it's a really lovely, lovely spot. Um to, it's, to, to visit it's funny because when you say you do that area on music tours i would never have thought of that I, you know i whenever i think music tours i think well soho and environs so i mean of course classical music you've got royal albert hall and everything there and royal college of music but i it's not anywhere that i would kind of expect to go on i mean do you do them on rock and roll tours or is it is it more strictly classical classical tours that you do that Bit of everything on the neighbourhood tours. So, yeah, bit of rock and roll with Freddie Mercury and Queen in Kensington. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the Albert Hall, the um, the Albert, the um, the Great Exhibition uh, is 
shot through the whole area, of course. Uh, and there, there's music at the Great Exhibition. It wasn't a music festival, of course, but among the um, among the the wares being demonstrated at the uh, the, the Great Exhibition in 1851, uh, a fella called Adolf Sachs uh, uh, had uh, in, invented a brand new brass we, instrument. We know him, the Adolf. <laughs> The Adolphophone, that's right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's little musical squibs like that in Kensington. Um, Queen Victoria uh, and Prince Albert loved to play. They loved to play and sing together. Albert was not too shabby a composer uh, in, in his own right. And um, so, yeah, it's maybe that's one of the things that I like is it's not the first thing that you think of in Kensington. There's maybe a little bit of a surprise there, but it does have a lovely sort of musical heritage and the music is very wide ranging, driven by the location. Mm. Uh, and you've got the Science Museum with all the wonderful um, the recording technology down in the basement, the Edison cylinders right up to the the, the compact disc. You're all too young to remember <laughs> compact discs. It's making a comeback, isn't it? Is it? It's, it's retro Apparently and so. it's coming back. Really? Apparently so. Oh, that's yeah. depressing that CDs are retro now. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go and boil my head. It's ridiculous. <laughs> See, this is why I'm very happy that we've got Adam on the pod because what I love is that almost any location, you can say, An anything happened here? And Adam go, oh, yes. And, and, and the, you know... There is, should, we, should, we throw, should we throw over some some places and he can uh, and we he can let's do it let's do it right okay anything um, in Muswell Hill oh, the kinks in Muswell Hill of oh, course that uh, which is just along the road in this direction from from where I'm sitting uh, yes the kinks in Muswell Hill um, Muswell Hill Billy boys but their heart lies in Old West Virginia as they once wrote. <laughs> Oh my goodness, he's he's forensic. Well, okay, I'm going to stay slightly more central. I'm going to say Marble Arch. Anything Marble Arch? Oh yes, the uh, old, uh, well, the new uh, Hard Rock Hotel, which was the Cumberland Hotel, which yeah. is where the Motown guys stayed on their first tour uh, of, of of England in 1965. Um, and it was the last address of Jimi Hendrix. Um, he didn't die there, but that's where he was checked in um, at the time of his death in 1970. So it's got a really terrific sort of music pedigree, uh, that oh hotel goodness. at Marble Arch. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw Rother High at you because that's near near, uh, near near home to the pod, really. So Rother High, yeah. go on. Anything there? Excellent. Um, it, are, are we in the vicinity of Surrey Dock? Yes. Yeah, close by. Yes. Yep. Thank God, the sleeve for <laughs> <laughs> the sleeve for the Who's first album, My Generation, uh, was shot at um, Surrey Dock. Was it uh, down there in nineteen sixty-five? Right. When I move back, I'm going. It's just round the corner from my house. I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, anything, anything behind the Savoy? I'm doing a setup job now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doing album sleeves and anything, anything, anything in Covent Garden? <laughs> Well, yes, we do visit Behind the Savoy where Bob Dylan invented the pop music video. Uh, the, the famous clip from the movie Don't Look Back where he's peeling the lyrics of subterranean homesick blues off sheets of paper. That much parodied video uh, was filmed behind the Savoy Hotel and, and the cards on which the lyrics are written uh, were laundry cards for shirts from the Savoy's laundry. So, 
Might come up in a pub quiz. Might come yeah, up in a yeah. pub quiz. A very yeah. specific pub quiz. Yeah. Very now, niche. <laughs> one, one, more, one more place I'm going to throw at you, because um, it's a place that like, we all go past very often and there's way too much to say about it, but Trafalgar Square, what would be your... Choice, you your choice music uh, top morsel. Let's let's do oh, that. Oh, I like I'm trying. To, I, no, I'm, I, I, the the first thing I thought of immediately was the music hall song "I Live in Trafalgar Square," um, which is a, a lovely old music hall song about the down at heel, uh, ah. about the homeless, uh, about the less well off in London. Um, what I might do, I, I might pop a playlist together. Yes. Um, and yes. I'll put that on it because it's a lovely old music hall song. I live in Trafalgar Square. Oh, we'd love um, a playlist. We can pop that on our on the show notes and um, we'll put a link to it on the Instagram and everything. Yeah, please Smashing, do. that's what I'll do. Not a dry eye in the house. I live in Trafalgar <laughs> oh. Square. It's lovely. So this brings me on to another question in a way, which is obviously if you're looking at a building, you can say to people, look, there's, look at the windows, look at the pediment, look at the... Blah, blah, blah. But if you're talking about music... How can you get that across to people on it? If they don't know the song, how how could you share the song with them on a walk? Do you do that? Is this another setup job, Fiona? <laughs> <laughs> she oh, is such a rotter. Oh, she's good. <laughs> yes, thanks, Fiona. How do we get music into a music tool? There's a variety of ways that can be done as well. Um, I would often, uh, before the tour, send a playlist to the, um, to the tour participants. Oh. Um, or after the tour, I'd, if, if something had come up that we hadn't, you know, scheduled, uh, then I'd amend the playlist and, and send it like that. There's um, there's one of the tours uh, which runs on a Wednesday night in the summer, the, the Rock and Roll London Pub Walk, where we do a little bit of live music uh, along the route, mm. um, wherever we can find a venue. Uh, so that's, uh, that's another way of doing it. But the playlist, sending the playlist is the is I think the best way. And when you um, say live music? Yes. What do you mean by that? Are uh, you actually doing the playing? Doing the playing, singing and playing the guitar. We used to, in the um, in the olden days, there was a little venue called the Alley Cat Bar in Denmark Street, which was a lovely sort of stinky, sticky floored music <laughs> venue. Um, and we used to pop in there about half past seven on a Wednesday night uh, before they had the blues jam. The Blues Jam was at nine o'clock, so they had a stage set up with a little lighting rig, and uh, we stopped for 20 minutes, had a drink, added a couple of tunes, and then we went off somewhere else. So Fantastic. that was quite nice. But latterly, we've been um, at the Poetry Cafe doing the live music, uh, and on the nice summer nights, we, we, we do it in the street. We do it outside. I think that sounds like one that we need to go on, don't you? Have you been on it, Fiona? Uh, oh, no, have I been on that? Well, the reason why I asked this obviously helpful question <laughs> was <laughs> because one of the loveliest things I did in the run-up to Christmas last year, well, for two years, in fact, I've done this now. So, so two years ago, it was a virtual version and I enjoyed it so much. I said to some friends, right, you're coming with me on this. So Adam did, a, a, before Christmas, a Christmas Covent Garden-y relating a bit to the film Last Christmas but quite a lot of general other Christmassy music with proper singing along. So we 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 all had word, you know, uh, lyrics and things. And the whole the whole group, we just stood on street corners all around bits of Covent Garden and sang. And it was fabulous. And it, if you're not in the mood, 
that that just and and then we popped into a pub as well and various things. Oh, it was a lovely evening. That and I wonderful. suspect you've already got one in the in the calendar. Yes, so it's I'm the short answer to that right, one. We're in. Now. We're in. <laughs> Come along. Yes, have a Ladies Who London Christmas outing. Oh my goodness, yes. we absolutely could. Yeah, got, people have got enough time to plan. <laughs> yeah. There were so many Do you things. Know what the date pulling. is already. Oh, I could look that up. Um, I, I think I've got it in the. You do have to be careful singing in on street corners, though. I, I once, uh, I say I, me plus my friends, <laughs> got kicked out of a pub in Mayfair for <laughs> singing Christmas carols too loudly and too regularly. And it was it was after we, we'd been round, it was when the Mayfair uh, uh, were having their Christmas lights switch on and our choir used to get booked to ba- as a basically a, a roving choir and we'd tootle around and we'd stop every so often and we'd sing. And then we all went to the pub, got absolutely hammered and decided that that was lots of fun and carried on singing and the pub chucked us out. It was amazing. <laughs> a whole choir is quite... A, I've been oh, chucked out of three different pubs for singing. And it's not like it's not like singing around, it's like choral singing. Um, I got kicked out of the St Stephen's Tavern on, on Trafalgar Square as well because we'd, again, we'd done a concert in a in the venue nearby and we went to the pub and started singing like choral music and the pub didn't want that fantastic great idea this this madrigal gang being kicked out of the pubs of london the naughtiest (laughs) choruses ever it's great anyway sorry Uh, hopefully in that interlude you've managed to look up the date (laughs) yes and and yes i'll I'll need to speak to my agent because i haven't got it written down okay but I, I, i will keep you posted there were so many things pulling in the right direction on that christmas music tour uh, because we print out the, the song sheet and you know hand them round and um, my, my pal Pete helps out with the music the live music and uh, he's, a, he's a very encouraging uh, and enthusiastic presence but if the the participants on on the walk um, the the gusto with which you all joined in was just Everyone pulling in the same direction. It was it was terrifically jolly. That's so yeah. much fun. I'm not going to promise this, but I might bring my ukulele. Oh, <laughs> and ruin <fantastic>. everyone. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> um, so, at what like you obviously you are have a forensic knowledge of of music in London, which is lovely because I mean occasionally when I'm in. Soho music is not my forte at all and um, when I'm doing tours in in Soho I will throw in bits of music and this that and the other but you are completely forensic so what what got you to that point like what interested you in in the music to start with and got you to where you are well it's a story I like to tell because it's about my old dad Um, and he he and I had common ground in music uh, and all, th- you know, all through my teenage years, we didn't always have a lot of common ground. It's not an uncommon story in families, fathers and sons, but we always could communicate about music and we played music together. Uh, he played accordion and I would play guitar and sing. And he, he told me a story when I was a kid and it just, it, it, it freaked me out a little bit and it made me fascinated and it made me find other stories. Because his favorite things were, he, he loved Johnny Cash and he loved John Philip Sousa, oh, the American I mean, Mart. Yeah, quite and quite different chaps. <laughs> so he taught me eclecticism, and <laughs> and of course we all enjoy a bit of Sousa down at the changing of the guards. Yeah, uh, of course, terrific marching music. And he told me a story about Sousa, and I can't have been any more than seven or eight years old. He said that Sousa had been driven insane in. Uh, uh, his pursuit of precision, his his mania for strict time music, 
had boiled over into his everyday existence and his pursuit of precision became an obsession and he was driven stark staring mad and I'm, I remember finding that quite traumatizing and you know memorable when I was a kid but it made me think I wonder if there are other stories if, if all music has a story mm. and it turns out yeah it pretty much does but then just not long after my dad died i remembered that story and uh i thought i'm gonna go and look it up i'm gonna flesh this story out and i'm gonna find out all about it because this is a fantastic story and so i went to do some research and it's not true <laughs> I, I don't know where he came up with this i don't know if he did heard it from someone else or if he'd misunderstood the story or maybe if I'd misunderstood the story I don't know but it's just not true he um the most eccentric <laughs> thing the most eccentric thing that Sousa ever did was because he lived into his 80s and he was a family man and he served his country in the military and the most eccentric thing he ever did was he would occasionally wear his military uniform to conduct the band after he'd retired that's the maddest thing he ever did <laughs> mild-mannered blameless lovely fellow and i wonder where the story came from but it, it left behind this 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 love yeah. of music stories so something came out of it so in, in it, a way who cares how we got there but we got there i got there and who cares exactly so and it also left uh, uh, a lifelong love of john philip sousa um, which I which I used to be a bit embarrassed about, but I'm I'm now too old to care. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I often find this with with anything that people have an opinion on, and it's usually music. It's um, well, it's just often music is the big one, but you know, it can be wine, it can be theatre, all sorts of things that are kind of deemed as culture. I just think if you like it, then like let's enjoy not it. let's not yeah enjoy it let's not be silly yeah. about it if you like it, it doesn't matter if it's cool i mean god i've never been cool in my entire life and i you know i like some cool stuff i like some really frankly what would be considered quick square stuff but if you like it it's the good it doesn't matter of a guilty pleasure just nah. have it as a pleasure well said excellent that's a, there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure fantastic it's a pleasure great when, when you were just talking about the beginning of that about him the timing it it um reminded me of uh at the royal opera house of the royal opera house royal ballet same building and uh george Schulte used to be the conductor there for a bit and apparently someone told me that the he didn't really like conducting for the ballet because he had to make the music work for the dancers not the other way around kind of so the last performance he did where it was a ballet performance he just conducted the music as he wanted it to be played and the ballet dancers coped. <laughs> That's amazing. I, do, I mean, you do love an, an errant composer. Uh, Quite so. Well, oh, so sorry, George. I am conductor. There are a few of them around for definite. <laughs> yeah. Funny. <laughs> but yeah, there is, and I mean, in all fields, it's the same. The, the backstory is, you know, uh, is, is, is often... Um, interesting, I think. So that that's kind of where I come into to, to telling music stories. Just yeah. Yeah. Um, and you you've come into kind of into guiding through journalism. So still still music stories, but you know a different a different um, genre of storytelling. Yeah, it's a, a different way of storytelling, um, a better way of storytelling because I no longer have to work with journalists. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's um, 
yeah, a different way of storytelling, I suppose. And uh, that my, and yeah, my, my dad was a terrific storyteller. He was, uh, yeah, whether the stories were true or not is another matter. Well, yeah, but, clearly. Um, <laughs> as we've just seen. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely way of telling stories. And that whole idea of us all being up on our hind legs in, in the streets of London and on the same level as the, the people on the tour, and because we've got that emotional connection with music, they, they can join in, they can share their stories, and it's it's uh, it, it becomes its own thing. Uh, yeah. I really love that. I really exactly. love that. Well, we're going to wrap up shortly, but um, I'd love I'd love to know if people if if we people were going around London and, and I mean I don't know if you have one particular place that you think do not miss. Even it could be something really small, and it's just a plaque to commemorate it. What would be your absolute hidden gem of the music? <gasps> kind of i'm really testing you now aren't i <laughs> do you know that the thing that thrilled me this week um it's not hidden but it's been revealed if you see what i mean down on brook street at the handel and hendrix house uh, they've recently completed the works to to remove the shop front at ground level and so the, the shop front no longer exists and they've taken the the 1720s brick right down oh, to ground level wow. and there's a door and there's a window and it looks exactly like how the house would have looked when Handel lived there. Is it 1725 he moved in? It looks exactly as it would have looked and it's it's it was just thrilling um, to, to see <laughs> this this restoration so if you're down in brook street uh in mayfair um do have a, the the reopening later this year the handel and hendrix museum and they've uh, rebranded haven't they because it used to be handel and then also hendrix was next door but now it's definitely handel and hendrix yeah i can't speak it. <laughs> those two <laughs> yeah. those two that that pair and it's a lovely visit because the contrast is just so tremendous because you 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 tiptoe through the Handel Museum, and you mustn't touch anything. You mustn't touch anything. It's it's, it's priceless. Uh, and then you get up into the the Hendrix flat, and yeah, yeah, sit in the bed, you know, relax, <laughs> do as you please. And the contrast between the the, the two two spaces and the two musicians uh, is heightened. It, it, it's a lovely spot. So it's not a secret spot, but that that recent uh, reveal. Um, has as is 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 quite thrilling. Um, there's, I suppose, one last one might be if you're uh, if you if you're heading to the Ivy in Covent Garden or and, yeah, in in West Street, one. yeah. yeah. And if if they're fully booked, um, or if they don't like the look <laughs> of you, uh, <laughs> go along the road to uh, Souk, the little Moroccan restaurant oh, there. Yeah. Um, nice fellas in there who, who, who run the place. Um, if there's a table downstairs in the cellar bar, that used to be Bungie's Coffee House. So back uh -huh. to coffee houses again. Yeah. Bungie's Coffee House was a, a folk venue, um, acoustic music, where Paul Simon played when he first visited London yeah. in 65, wow. uh, where David Bowie played in, in 1969 with his acoustic guitar just before mm -hmm. Space Oddity took off. And it, it's not much changed. It's not much changed. It's um, the, the, the vaults, the, the, the arches are, are very low. 
Um, I tell you, it has changed a bit. It's a lot more sanitary than it used to be in a <laughs> coffee house. Um, health and safety. But it's the, the feel of the place. The atmosphere is lovely. It was a terrific folk club. Uh, and the chaps there will look after you. Souk uh, is the name of the restaurant. So that's a sort of hidden uh, music heritage place in West Street. Could you imagine seeing David Bowie playing acoustic in a tiny little venue like that? Is yeah. there one person, Adam, that you would have loved to have seen ah, that you never saw? Good question. Oh, yeah. It's... Um, that is a terrific question. Who would I like to have seen that I didn't see? Um, I feel like you must have seen everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're off to see the. I'm off to see the Who later on oh. this year, which mm -hmm. is a bit like backing a horse, you know, because they're knocking on a bit. And I've got tickets for <laughs> July, so good luck, everyone. Keep taking your vitamins, boys, and uh, I'll hopefully see you in uh, in July. <laughs> But I think I, I, I'm, I'm now finding it very difficult to get my imagination past the picture that you've just conjured up, Alex, to be in that little room with David Bowie playing. Mm -hmm. um, 1969, he's, he's got his long hair. Um, it, took, it takes him so long to get going. You know, he, he went right through the 60s not selling records, nobody bought them, not even his mum, you know. And um, <laughs> to be in that little room with a handful of people with his 12-string acoustic guitar, um, yeah, what if he'd said that night, you know, that's it, I'm done. This isn't working out. I'm going to pursue the mime or go yeah. into, you know, yeah. the other stuff that he was trying out at the time. To have been there that night would have been just before Space Oddity took off. Incredible. That's where I'd go, please. Mm -hmm. Righto, we'll make it. We'll make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> we have the ways. Oh, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been such a, a lovely chat, um, and I think we, there's so much music stuff. We're going to have to get you back on at some point for something else. I'm sure of it. In fact, what we might do is get in touch with the Handel Hendrix Museum for when they reopen, Ooh. and maybe see if we can't get them on a bit later on in the year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Be nice to do, wouldn't it? They're great there too. Um, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Can I? Yeah. Can I just go off a little tangent oh, from yeah, that? Love it. So you, a tangent, never. Never. They've recreated Hendrix's flat because they had some photos and things. So they've furnished it as it was and they needed to make a bedspread for the bed. And they commissioned some people to do the bedspread who are Wallace Sewell, who do the moquette designs on the underground. There we go. There Always back again. to the underground. Fantastic. Either the underground or Christopher Wren, one or the other. <laughs> Preferably both. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Adam, where can people find you? If they, I mean, you, you do a lot of walks, public walks, don't you? Um, yeah, I've got a, a expanding the programme of, of public walks for the, the spring and summer. Um, I'm doing a, a new season starting in May at the Sunday Music Stroll. Um, 14 different music tours, um, either on Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning. So you'll get two chances through the summer and spring. Um, so each week is a different one. Each week's a different one. Oh, my goodness. But... Now, this is the problem with talking to Adam at any time, is it makes you feel incredibly lazy. That's <laughs> right. 14 versions of a tour. I mean, come we, on. Do you know what? When we were all in jail uh, and locked up on Zoom doing our virtual tours, um, a lot of the tours that we're, I'm doing in the coming summer are tours that are transferred from Zoom onto the pavement. So, right. um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, uh, needs must when the devil drives, I think is Absolutely. the phrase. 
Uh, and so, yeah, 14 different tours, Sundays at 10.45 in the morning or at 2 in the afternoon, uh, alternating week on week. So that's everything from the Beatles to, to Handel to Pink Floyd uh, to Musical Marlebone. Um So, yeah, come and join me. You can I think I'm going to. The website is um, londonmusictours.org and click the, the calendar and come Fabulous. and see me. And we'll put a link in the show notes and also on the, the website, the, the blog note thing um, as well, so you can find Adam. And on social media, Adam, what are you, your London rock and roll guy does? Uh, what, what am I on social media? Adam London Tours. Oh, that's on, it, completely on, not what I thought. On uh, Twitter uh, and on uh, Facebook, uh, simply London Music Tours. And so, on Instagram, you're... Oh, Adam London Tours as well. Adam London Tours as well. Fine, we'll yes. we'll we'll uh, we'll link to you for that. But yeah, if anybody wants to do music tours, you can do a public you... one. You can do a private one. Get in touch with Adam. And, and are you and... are you on TikTok now as well? I'm on TikTok. You're Old on man on TikTok. Old man on TikTok. <laughs> uh, it's um, London Music Tours on, on TikTok. Uh, so basically, so London Music Tours or London or oh, Adam. Adam London Tours. Adam yes, London I, Tours. One of those two. Try, some try permutation of Adam Music that. London. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Before you go, Adam, is it too cheeky to ask if we can have a little strum? Well, you can have rather you can have a little strum. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're not going to um, play along. Would you strum us something? Um, yes. You can't the, say no if, if this is, if this is a, <laughs> a nightmare. Um, yeah. Um, but, while while Adam's going. Okay way to get the guitar which we can both see should to we, get his frock on get his frock on. <laughs> to get performance ready put your lippy on <laughs> um i was going to say when we when we were in jail as adam put it earlier on you know the beginning of lockdown when we weren't sure what we were doing um adam started thing of uh, of radio music night this isn't right the right combination of words radio night music <laughs> What, what music night radio. Music radio. I don't, I don't know. Um, yes, uh, big, big Smoke Radio Night. Big Smoke Radio Night. I knew there was a radio and a night in it. And that that kind of was one of the things that I think, um, you know, when we were all like, what do we do? How, we're in our house. How can we work? And But, but one of the ways in which guides found their way online uh, to do things, in a way, I would say uh, the Big Smoke Radio Night kind of, gave me the idea of all you know on virtual tours are are a possibility i'm gutted i didn't know that was happening that is news to me i missed them all what a shame it was it was just an old man shouting at facebook <laughs> oh, uh, well, that's pretty standard isn't it drowning not waving uh, and, I, and, I, <laughs> and i think uh yeah i think we we did we, we all got the virtual tours sorted out eventually but uh, i think those first few weeks were it was a steep learning curve yes <laughs> let's say sure. that. but you know yeah all right what are you gonna enthrall us with this evening okay um is this thing on the, um... <laughs> sorry i put you totally on the spot here and i feel really bad but not bad enough to say don't do it <laughs> no, not at all not at all an absolute pleasure i'll do i'll do a verse of um London's National Anthem, uh, written by the man from Muswell Hill that we mentioned uh, earlier on. This is my standby. Uh, this is Waterloo Sunset. Yay. Dirty old river, must you keep rolling, rolling into the night. People so busy, make me feel dizzy, 
taxi lights shine so bright And they doubt Feel afraid As long as they gaze at Waterloo sunset They are in paradise Every day I look at the world from my window Chitty chitty's evening time Waterloo sunset's fine Terry meets Julie Waterloo station Every Friday night But I'm so lazy don't want to wonder, I stay at home at night. And I doubt, need no friends. As long as I gaze at Waterloo Sunset, I am in paradise. As long as I gaze at Waterloo Sunset, I am in paradise. Thank you so much. One of my favourite songs, which occasionally when I'm crossing the Water- Waterloo Bridge, I do actually just put it on because uh, I love it so much. You have Excellent. to, don't you? It's kind of that's the rules. It's, it's the rules, yes. Adam, thank you so, so much for coming on. What an absolute treat to chat to you. Oh, thank you for having me. An absolute delight. Thank you. And we'll see you again sometime soon. I yes. hope so. Bye. Take care. Yeah. Well, there we go, listeners. Uh, wasn't that fantastic? Adam's such a lovely guy. And if you get the chance, you're into music, you're in London, do try and go on a tour with him. Um, but that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with um, an episode all about... Now, those of you... I know we've got a variety of different listeners out there, but um, I know that we have a few who are very uh, interested in the Tudors. And next week is uh, perfect for you because we're going to be talking all about the downfall of a rather famous Tudor. So I'm not going to tell you who, um, but tune in next week and you'll find out a little bit more about uh, that person. But for me this week, thank you so much for coming along. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. Bye.